Hey guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Dance Podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Vine, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At Boom. the Sports Stands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table every single week. Hot takes, nothing less. The Sports Stance. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Sports Stance Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me, as always... He's dyeing his hair red and making everyone call him Greg Cowens. It's Greg Cowen, everybody. What's happening, baby? Aw, uh, man, you know what? I'm loving the red hair. It's looking pretty good on me. I'm not going to lie. Red hair runs in my family, apparently, so, you know, might as well go with it. You strike me as Irish. Is that a thing? Are you it, actually Irish? I am Irish. Uh, actually, my wife refuses to let me have a beard because when it grows in, it comes in red. Really? Yeah, it's weird. I, I've never seen you with a beard before. We've well, known each other, what, nigh on... We celebrate our Facebook friendship like six years apparently in the making. Facebook reminded me. Oh really? Yeah. It does that thing now, right? Where it like tells you how long you you've known somebody. Yeah, it shows like the recording of like a record. It's weird. Ooh, that's sentimental. Does it play? <laughs> does it play like uh, you know Bittersweet Symphony in the background? The Verve. I, I'm, in your eye? I'm pretty you sure it me? does. It takes like our best photos. All the photos of you were from like the, one of the night your initiation night for when you joined our fraternity that we were a part of. Because you know oh, we were those wow. we were those cool college guys. Already, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, if they've been with us long enough now, they can know we're fraternity men. Where we, <laughs> where we were, yeah. we are. We kind of we're somewhere in that bond somewhere. Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, well, uh, very good, Greg. Good to be with you. Actually, we're not together. Another little peek behind the curtain. Uh, we're doing this all over the interwebs today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So we're hoping Power it comes out. Of the net. We're hoping it sounds all right. That's the key thing. We're hoping it sounds all right. It's a classic podcast where you're going to hear a little bit of a lag, uh, but we'll see what happens, man. Um, but before we get into everything, before we get into all of the football that uh, is going to be going on this weekend, uh, everything that happened last weekend, uh, some MLB stuff, some NBA stuff, uh, before we get into everything, Greg, how you doing, man? What's going on with you? I'm doing good. I had to actually watch my two redheaded nieces this weekend because my brother had a wedding, so that was fun. Uh, you know, nothing like kids just throwing tantrums over the fact that they had to split a banana. So I would actually throw a tantrum over that as well, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, because a banana is really not a splitting kind of thing, you know? Like, there's a couple of things in life that you don't split, and I feel like a banana is one of them. But when you're four and two, and there's one banana left in the household, and you both want it, you have to compromise. No, no, no. That's, that's the exact age you don't need to compromise, Greg. I think that you're totally mistaken. Okay, well, fine. Well, we made them compromise, and auntie and uncle put their foot down. I was like, listen, you're getting half a banana. Deal with it. One of you is about to take a nap. Me and Uncle Greg. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, the older one does not like me. All about loving the wife, my wife, Mary, and, you know, dealing with her. The little one loves me to death. So, you know, I got one of them in my pocket at least. Gotcha. Sounds like I would get along with the older one. Yeah, uh, it older does. Older it does. Sounds like you had a good weekend. Yeah, what about you? What did you do? Eh, not much. I actually went to Six Flags. That was pretty cool. Uh, that's right. You were telling me about that for Fright Fest, right? 
I went to Six Flags, yeah, I went to Fright Fest, and they, I went on the, uh, the Superman virtual reality coaster. That thing was sweet. <laughs> how, does that, how does that even work? You have to stick, like, a headset on. It's a little, it's a little awkward, no lie. Uh, you have to, like, put a headset on. You have to tighten it all up, tighten all the screws and the straps and everything like that. And it was really, really cool. The one thing that was weird about it was that the headset actually would, like, periodically come off. Like, not come off, but, like, would get loose and feel like it was about to come off. So I had to, like, hold it in place to make sure that it didn't fly off the ride. And I would be paying for a headset. But uh, it, it was cool, man. It was a really interesting experience. Virtual reality is coming to roller coasters, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that sounds definitely, definitely interesting sounding. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, cool. So uh, let's get into it, Greg. we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of sports happening right now, man. Yeah, the there past was- past week has been pretty crazy. This is it, man. We're right into it. Um, we, why don't we go ahead and start off with some NFL. Um, we had a, a pretty crazy week in the NFL last week, and I think that the first way that we can do this, Greg, is we're going to bring back America's favorite segment, and by America I mean mine, Jerry's In, Jerry's Out. It's a great back, segment. Baby. It's a great segment. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, Greg, give me a player, a team, a coach, a unit, whatever – uh, that you think that the jury is in on, what can we finally say definitively? Uh, so my jury in, it pains me to do this because, you know, the guy has been called Captain America. You know, he's the last guy, first guy in, last guy out. You think he's a superhuman. You think he's not even actually, like, from this world. J.J. Watt, jury's in, actually a human being. Yeah, wow, that's, a, that's bold. That's bold, bold. Calling JJ Watt a human being. I know it, it pains me to say it, but he, I mean, facts are facts. If he wasn't human, he wouldn't hurt his back. Yeah. So, oh, playing with the headset here. Already technical difficulties. So, for a little context, uh, JJ Watt is on the injured reserve list. Uh, he will probably miss the remainder of the season. That's what it there seems. Is rule, there is a rule that you can bring uh, back a, a player from IR after about eight weeks, but from the sounds or the things that they're saying out of Texas or out of Houston there, it, it seems like they're definitely going to try to keep him shelved for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's, they should. That's a, that's a tough blow for this defense, man, because he really gives them a lot of options and versatility. I was just talking to you last week about how they can stick Wilfork and Jadavion Clowney on the inside track for those for uh, that front line and have kind of what come on the outside either either side there. Um, now, without that, they kind of need to head back to more of a basic, you know, vanilla defense and just kind of put Clowney back in his natural position and, and have your normal pass rush that you would see pretty much in any, you know, standard, I think it's a 4-3 that they run over there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. I mean, J.J. Watt, you know, three-time defensive player of the year. The only other person that's done that so far is Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> so. And J.J. Watt did it all before he was, like, 27, so that's crazy. Yeah, he's still got technically his prime years, like, another year or two ahead of him. Because, you know, it's like 28, 29 is considered the prime time for at least right. defensive guys. So we'll see what happens, man. But that's a good one. Jerry's in. J.J. Watt, a human being. Yeah. Um, what about you? My Jerry's in is the – I think that the, we knew this one for a while, but, you know, let's just go ahead and set it in stone. The Vikings defense is good. <laughs> the Vikings defense is real good. Real good. Real good. Um, they held the Panthers to ten points. Uh, they dropped the Panthers to one and two. The Vikings are three and zero, oh, my friend. They are. They are uh, one of the elite. Exactly. Uh, they're asking Sam Bradford to do very little, and he's delivering. He's not doing very much at all. No, uh, he. D- game, 
makes no yeah, sense. Game, he was uh, eight for, 18 for 28, 171 yards, and a touchdown. No picks. That's exactly what we're looking for. Um, the defense man stepped it up, and they really kind of dialed up with the uh, what Denver did in the Super Bowl to stymie the Panthers' offense. The Panthers run a lot of you know kind of screen and read and little dink and dunk plays, and they kind of uh, you know give Cam the option to run when he needs to, and will occasionally do a big play down the field. But you know they're uh, when the Vikings and you know teams like this can can really get them hard with the pass rush. Uh, the Panthers just look pedestrian on offense. It's tough to kind of see what they can do against these really top echelon, top tier defenses in the league. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, the Vikings I think sacked Cam Newton eight times. Ridiculous yeah. number. I mean, they were all over him. They were throwing schemes at him that he did not seem to pick up on at all. And they just like, I mean, they lived up to the name of the Purple People Eater. And this defense looks scary, and it looks like it could carry them actually through that NFC North and to a division championship easily. Yeah, so let's think about it. I picked the tight, I picked the Vikings to win the NFC North, not to brag. Um, which, which team? Subtle I mean, brag. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen enough out of the Packers to think that they can? They, that uh, have you seen enough of the Vikings to think that they have a chance to win the NFC North? And have you seen enough of the Packers to convince you that they can win the NFC North? You know, which team do you think has a better chance right now as it stands? Uh, I'm going to go um, – I mean, I went with the Packers just because it seemed like the logical choice, especially with the injuries. Peterson goes down. It seems even more likely that that's what would happen. Bradford's not the guy that you're going to put a team on his back. But right now the Vikings look legit. If they can keep that defense playing at the level they are, where you have to put up 17 points, 14 points, 15, like, you know – Somewhere in the teens, and you could still win the game. I think they're going to win. Packers still look a little dysfunctional. Their defense, not that great. They're going to have to play offensive catch-up most games. And if Jordy Nelson, that running game, and Rodgers aren't all clicking, it's it's not pretty. Good. I knew that that was the case, Greg. I just wanted to hear you uh, say that I was right. So I'm happy with that. It's okay. okay. When we get to our other conversations, I'm definitely right about something that you were dead wrong about. Yeah, uh, we shall see. Okay, uh, jury's out, Greg. Who is the jury out on in the league today? You know, I'm, I'm torn on this one. I had a few that I thought, you know, seemed pretty good. I'm going to have to go with jury's out. Are the Ravens actually actually an elite team? So you, yeah, jury's out on the Ravens. I think that's a good pick. The Ravens haven't beaten anybody yet. No, they're 3-0. They're and they've done it in disgusting fashion. Yeah, so the last week they beat the the uh, Jaguars, nineteen uh, seventeen. Um, and then what did they do before then? Uh, uh, they beat the Browns by oh, coming right. back down twenty two like nothing. And then the week first week they played another terrible team and won. Who am I forgetting? Um, it's because it's the Ravens. You don't pay yeah, attention okay. to their schedule. I think the jury's hard. That's a hard out on the Ravens, man. I mean, Flacco, uh, you know, 29 of 40 with 214 yards and two picks in this game. Uh, they had to have a late field goal to beat <laughs> to beat the Jaguars. It, it's ugly, man. I don't think that they'd have a lot going for them right now, you know. I mean, they have that one connection from Flacco to Mike Wallace for a big play, and that's one of the things that Flacco does really well is huck the ball downfield. Yeah. He's got an absolute cannon. Uh, when he had Torrey Smith, you know that was the year that they went to the, the they won the Super Bowl. 
uh, he could have that big explosive play every once in a while. So, you know, we'll see what happens with them. I really think that that's a pretty bad 3-0. and But the thing is, that, that division is not exactly lighting the world on fire right now. You know what I mean? No, not at all. I mean, when you look at them and the other teams that are 3-0, and it's, it's a very odd mixture. The Bengals have been an underwhelming uh, start to the season. The Steelers looked really good and then fell pretty hard to the Eagles. By the way, Greg, I am a little upset at you for jury. You, you did not do a jury's in on Carson Wentz. Uh, I'm st- I want to, but I don't want to be that much of a homer. And he's only gone against one good defense technically at this point, which he dismantled like crazy. But I'm going to see what he does at least another two, three weeks, and then I can probably get a good handling sample size on what he's done. Gotcha. I mean, he is already better than Brady. He broke his uh, rookie right, record. Let's, so. let's go ahead and relax right there. I mean, uh, okay. you, you, you wanted me to do it. My jury's out goes to the uh, the Cardinals offense. Ooh, the thing with okay. The Cardinals is uh, they were kind of anointed coming into the season as one of the top tier teams in the in the NFL. Uh, you know, partially because they had a pretty great defense coming in, they were in the top five in uh, defensive DVOA last year. But their offense was supposed to continue to be explosive like it was last year. Carson Palmer had a career year coming into Arizona last year. Larry Fitzgerald putting him in the slot and having like uh, Floyd on the outside was supposed to really open things up for them and so far it, it's kind of had some pedestrian results they beat up on the tampa bay defense which is pretty bad but you know they played too hard i mean not even too hard they played the pats defense which is you know pretty good and they played the bills defense which had really struggled up to that point yeah it had and and this is not a division where you can start off one and two you know what i mean especially when you have the seahawks breathing down your neck and kind of starting to figure things out there in the nfc west and the L.A. Rams, who were first. Yeah, I don't think that's for real. But <laughs> I had to throw it out there. I just had to. Yeah, I mean, they're up there, no doubt. But I just don't think that's for real. But uh, now that the Seahawks are trying to figure everything out, I mean, they, they looked really good against the 49ers, which I guess is not saying all that much. Uh, and then this week, the Seahawks um, have the Jets. So we'll see what happens there, man. But I the jury is hard out on me for the uh, – for, the Cardinals. I need to see a little bit more before we start, uh, you know, continuing to talk about these guys as the top tier and the NFL team. Yeah, no, definitely. Their offense was supposed to be this thing that blew everybody away, and the defense was supposed to even be really good. But so far, yeah, outside of Tampa Bay game, not impressed. Not impressed. Jerry's no. definitely out on them. Okay, um, is there any team that's surprising you right now, Greg? I mean, I know that we had. Uh... You know, we, we had your, your Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, the Bills were pretty surprising last week. Is there anything in your eye last week that you want to highlight before we kind of move on to picks and, and uh, recaps? I mean, nothing that jumps out of me. I mean, obviously the Eagles' complete obliteration of the Steelers was pretty shocking, I think, to everybody. Uh, Bills coming out the way they did against the Cardinals, like you said. The Vikings de-stepping up. I mean, nothing really last week blew my mind more than just seeing the Eagles score as a fan, especially coming into the season, not expecting much to fact that they, the defense, especially just put their throat on Roethlisberger's neck basically, and didn't allow him to do anything all game. Just was impressive. I'm also going to highlight the Rams hanging 37 on the Buccaneers. That's true. Uh, Yeah. That's that's pretty impressive, man. I mean, I just don't think the Buccaneers have that good a defense. And I thought that they were going to be, 
You know, the Buccaneers, it's funny. Uh, every single year, like, there's a certain football critic that just falls in love with the Buccaneers and just thinks that they're going to be this darling team that's going to put it all together. <laughs> and then they become, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, their defense this year is going to be a real problem. And you, you give up that many points to Arizona last week, and then you have 37 um, points hung on you by, you know, Case Keenum and the Los Angeles Rams. You're, you're in bed. You're in a... Uh, you're in trouble right there. So. Yeah, I guess the only other big surprising thing that definitely happened last week, and you saw a few different games, the number of interceptions thrown by quarterbacks. Dude, it was a quarterback meltdown day. Like, it was nuts. <laughs> it was unbelievable. The uh, fact so that... Hopefully we'll, we'll, have a little bit, uh, we'll have a little bit more tight quarterback play coming up this week. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens, though. I mean, the final five drives for the Jets literally were five picks. Like, it's just, that's just crazy. I know we have a certain uh, we have a couple of guest picks coming up who pick the Jets and I have a lot of questions about that. But um, okay, so why don't we just get into that? Actually, um, picks last yeah. week, Greg, we both went two and three. Break down for us. Uh, yeah, it was not pretty for us last week. We both went two and three. My winning picks actually were the Raiders and the Eagles because you forced me to take the Homer pick and I did. So thank you for that, actually, James. You're welcome. And uh, your two big picks were the Broncos and Chiefs. So Yeah, I, I am a big Chiefs believer, and I think I was kind of vindicated uh, with that with that game against the Jets there. That defense, man, is going to be something special. Um, okay, so that kind of puts us – where does that put us for the season? Uh, I'm 10-5, and five, so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting pretty right now. You're 6-9, and nine, and our guest picks for the year so far – have picked less games than us, but they're at sitting 500, 3-3. Three three. Okay, love it. Well, uh, on that on that note, we have a couple guest picks for this week, Greg. Yeah, so we have the False Start podcast this week. Uh, Kayla and Justin, who are the two hosts on that, so you can find them at the False Start podcast. It's, you know, they do a bi-weekly podcast for football, so, you know, it's interesting. Check it out. They do picks. They do recaps, everything like that. So they just do all football all the time do a really nice job they did a great job for us this week so we're going to cut to them they picked three games this week for us so we're just going to let you take a listen to them and we'll be back after hello groovy people of the internet my name is kayla hamill and i am justin ramos and we are the hosts of the false start podcast a bi-weekly football podcast we predict your winners and losers every week and then recap all the reasons why we are right and occasionally wrong but that comes with the prediction business speaking of prediction business we have been tasked we have accepted our mission and we are going to pick three games that are highly contested this week and tell you who's going to win three great, you, yeah three great games three great games are you nervous no never because we do this all the time on our own show sure yeah that's the reason why yes Okay, the first game of the week that we would like to predict is the Seattle Seahawks at the New York Jets. I find this interesting for many reasons, the biggest of which has to be the injury to Russell Wilson. How injured is he? We don't exactly know. Pete Carroll mentioned a sprained MCL, but odds are he is going to play. Yeah, we just got to wonder how hobbled he's going to be. But the bigger question is, is Fitzpatrick going to 
stink up the joint like he did last week, throwing another, uh, throwing six interceptions last week. Yes, and a against six pick, six not picks. a pick six. No, six pick again, and, and now going up against the Seattle defense. This is actually a harder. Tr- this was actually a pretty hard game to choose. Even- it is because you have. The Seattle defense going up against a quarterback that did throw six interceptions, but you also have the Jets defense going up against an offensive line that has not been very good throughout the month of September. I have to say that the Jets win this one. I would agree. I thought you were going to go Seattle, so I thought we were going to be uh, picking different ones here, but I'm going the Jets as well. It hurts my Patriots' heart to predict that the Jets will win anything at all. But uh, they do have the home field advantage. Russell Wilson is banged up. How much of the game is he going to be able to play? And how much of the game is he going to be effective, especially against that uh, Jets defensive front? I got to go with the Jets on this one. Home field advantage. Yeah, I'm going Jets as well, like I said, over Seattle. Seattle, if they lose this one, they got big issues moving forward. Right, because they have to keep pace with the Arizona Cardinals. And they are playing the Rams this week, so... Odds are they're going to win, but who knows? That division is hotly contested at the moment. Right, we'll see about that. Moving on to our second game of the week, I have chosen the Oakland Raiders at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are 3-0, but they've played three teams that have a combined record of 1-8. So that undefeated record doesn't speak very much to me. However, the Raiders' defense is kind of hot garbage at the moment. Hot garbage is kind of being kind of nice. To, they, they are just straight-up garbage. They are. Yeah. For the reasons of the fact that I don't think of any Baltimore's wins are something to write home about, I am picking the Oakland Raiders to win this game, but I would not be surprised if Baltimore does pull it out. Okay, because I'm picking Baltimore at home. They got that home field advantage. I think Steve Smith is going to put on a show against that beat-up secondary. So I don't think that Oakland will be able to keep up with them, especially going up against that defense. I have a little bit of faith in that Baltimore's defense. That's true. And and they're at home. The crowd will be into it, so we'll see how that goes um, in the future. But I'm picking Baltimore. If Baltimore goes 4-0 and continues to reign supreme over this AFC North division race it's going to be very interesting between the Bengals and the Steelers something to definitely look out for speaking of the Steelers the third game on my list is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Pittsburgh Steelers this is the Sunday night football contest something that I think is very interesting considering the Steelers just came off of one of their worst losses I think in a long time not just not just a long time like one of the worst performances they put on ever like this, that was a terrible performance by the Steelers. If you were looking for a textbook way to beat the Steelers, the Eagles pretty much gave it to you. They were contesting D'Angelo Williams. They were contesting Antonio Brown and getting to Ben Roethlisberger. The Chiefs did have that formula at one point, but I don't think the Chiefs have it this year. I did predict that they were going to win this division earlier on in our prediction series on our podcast but I'm getting less and less faith in Kansas City. I'm going for Pittsburgh to win back at home, Sunday night football, a lot of terrible towels. It's going to be a hostile environment. Yeah, I'm picking Pittsburgh as well. I do not see them wanting to lose back-to-back games, especially losing after the way they lost last week. They're going to come out on fire. I I believe, is Le'Veon Bell back? Le'Veon Bell is back the first game of the season. So 
they're going to put on a show. Le'Veon's going to put a show. Antonio Brown, he had a good performance last week, but right. it didn't amount to anything. So going up against this Kansas City defense, but there, since Kansas City is on the road, I am going to pick Pittsburgh as well. All right. So two of the three picks, we picked the same. The only difference we had was the Oakland-Baltimore game. If you want to check out more False Start podcast content, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter at False Start Pod or on Facebook at False Start Podcast. Or you can find all our shows at FalseStartPodcast.com. You can find myself on Twitter at Kayla Hamill. That's K-A-Y-L-A-H-A-M-E-L. And my lovely co-host, Justin, is at J Flippin' Ramos. That is correct. Yes. I am I very also, lovely. You are very lovely. <laughs> I do tweet during football games, so if you want to interact with someone when you're watching all the games on Sunday, hit me up, and I would love to have a conversation with you. As always, there are only two seasons in this world, football season and not football season. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Great picks by Kayla and Justin there. I do have some issues. Um, of course you do. With picking the Jets in this game. So I don't know what they're seeing out of the Jets that can make them think that they're going to beat the Seahawks. Uh, I guess they're kind of, I mean, what is it? Where are they playing? They're playing in New York, so I guess that, or excuse me, in New Jersey. So I yeah. guess that's good news for them. Yeah, it's basically um, the, that's, it's the whole West Coast to East Coast thing plays a big role in that. I mean, the, the Seahawks look like they're kind of sort of they're starting to get together, and the Jets, they just look bad, man. They, just look, they do not look very good. I mean, the defense can be fine, but, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, six picks. You don't really come back from six picks very easily, Greg. Yeah, but don't forget, the main reason they were both leaning towards the Jets is they don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. Nobody does. I guess that's true. Um, he hasn't been cleared one way or the other to play, right? I mean... Yeah, no, it's like kind of like one of the. They're basically pulling a patriot move where they're just like, "Hey, uh, we don't we don't know anything. We haven't been told anything, even though we know everything." Okay, well, we'll see what happens. But even still, I, I am not convinced. I am not convinced that the Jets can beat even the, the Seahawks with that with the backup cornerback. So, we'll see what happens, man. Yeah, I mean, I did think their uh, Steelers Chiefs pick was right on point. They went with the Steelers. Steelers are home. Uh, you know, they got that big offense. Uh, I don't expect them to crumble two weeks in a row so i agree with them that you know uh steelers should uh pick it up pick up the w this week back in pittsburgh yeah definitely okay so on to picks for this week for us greg uh, we have a few games that we want to kind of go through we do uh let me pull up the list right here for it uh you sent me a list of games i made some edits because that's what i do yeah uh the one that i'm kind of regretting that i that i uh we're not picking this week is the Indy Jacksonville game. I love, love, love the London games, Greg. I love the London games. I, that's why I put it in there. You start at 9:30 a.m. and then you don't have to stop watching football until like midnight, and I just love that. It's not great for relationships, I'll tell you that much. Um, but it's good for it's good for just degeneracy, uh, you know, in general. Hey, if they love you, they'll stay with you no matter what. Um, okay, cool. I, yeah, okay. I'm a hopeless romantic. Sorry, James. You, you beat it out of me. Apology not accepted. Okay, where do we start here? Uh, let's start in uh, beautiful Foxborough, Massachusetts, Craig. Buffalo Bills at New England. Um, uh, where's, my, where's my lines? What the hell? Where are my lines right now? 
I don't know. You, you, I'm not there to help you out, so you're on your own. This is what happens when I'm not around people. When I'm not with James in person, everything falls apart. I, I need to see who's favorite. What? Okay, hold on. Give me one second, people. Yeah, it's it's even. Where are you seeing this? Uh, on ESPN. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, let's just rewind. Cut all this. Just cut everything, Greg. Okay. Bill Don't tell me what to do. And I'm not even actually seeing a line right now. I don't think that the Vegas is going to put out a line until uh, they know whether or not Garoppolo is going to play. That's why it's even, I think. So, Greg, do you think that the Bills are going to make uh, you know good on their momentum that they came out of with last week? Or do you think they're going to come into Foxborough and, as they do, lose to Bill Belichick and the Patriots? <sighs> that was a deep breath you probably just heard me take. I'm not sure what to do here. It does depend on the quarterback situation, I think, a little bit. If Garoppolo plays, I'm going to favor the Patriots. If Brissett plays, I'm going to go with the Bills just because Rex throws things at quarterbacks they're not used to seeing. He's a rookie. He hasn't seen this type of defense that Rex can put together. And what kind of put me over the top towards the Bills, who I'm going to go with, is the whole jokey thing. I don't know. Did you see uh, Rex Ryan talking to Edelman today on the phone pretending to be a reporter? Yeah, I didn't think that was very funny. I actually thought it was hilarious. It's good gamesmanship, you know, just playful thing. It's not like if Edelman gave him anything, it wasn't going to change anything. The media was going to report it anyway. So that's all. Cheesy jokes. Yeah, you know, it's fine. I don't mind the cheesiness. Go all the cheese you need to. Make a little lighthearted in the no fun league a little bit sometimes. So I'm going to go with Bills. Greg, you ignorant slut. Um, Yeah, well, it's been called worse. Definitely going to win this. I mean, I, I just think that. Like, I don't know what you've been watching the last few weeks, Greg, but if you think the Buffalo Bills are going to come into Foxborough and, and beat the Patriots right now, um, I just don't know what to tell you. I think that this is ridiculous. I think that the Patriots are winning no matter what. Uh, no matter who starts a quarterback, if you start a quarterback, Greg, I think the Patriots will win. I agree with you. Uh, even, if you're, even if you're actively trying to throw the game. So the Patriots, I'm taking them at home against the Bills. Give me whatever line. Uh, hopefully the Bills get favored at some point, uh, you know, over the next couple of days because that'll really, you know, kind of uh, get, Bel- get under Belichick's skin. So we'll see what happens, man. I'll take the Patriots. I'm, I'm not shocked uh, by that at all. Panthers at Falcons uh, going into the Georgia Dome at 1 p.m. Uh, Panthers are 1-2, and two, Falcons are 2-1, and one, yet Carolina is favored by three points. Greg, the Falcons looked really good Monday night. Do you think that's enough to give it a, to propel them over the Panthers, or do you think the Panthers put it back together and get another win on the road? Uh, I think the Panthers put it together, finally give Cam his protection. The Atlanta pass rush defense is all Carolina's been looking for. It's not that strong. It's not that aggressive. It's not something you're going to fear. Cam will do his thing, work around it, have a big game, bounce back game, and take the Panthers to 500, dropping Atlanta to 2-2 two and two as well and tying it up in the division. I'm tending to agree with you here. The reason being is because the Panthers do really well against mediocre defenses. Like, this is kind of exactly where they want to be. Uh, You know, once they kind of go up against the Minnesotas and the Denvers of the world, uh, they don't do particularly well. But, you know, against the 49ers, they crushed. And I think they're going to do the same thing against the Falcons here. The Panthers' defense has left a little bit to be desired on – right now and I think that Matty Ice could put it together a little bit but I just don't think that the Falcons have enough firepower to hang with the Panthers so I think I'm also going to go with the Panthers no if Sanu's uh, especially if Sanu's banged up that hurts their wide receiving core yeah exactly um okay next game is 
Hold on, I threw away the, uh... excuse me, one sec, one sec. I assume it's Seattle Jets. Oh, yeah, Seattle Jets. Okay, um, Seattle at, at New York. Lines, uh, Seattle 2.5, they're favored in New Jersey. Uh, so, Greg, we just kind of talked about it here. Do you think the Seahawks are going to put up some numbers against New York, or do you think the Jets take it over at home and get back to 500? Uh, I'm going to be an ignorant slut again, but I'm also going to join Kayla and Justin because I'm sure you're going to call me this because I know you're not going with the Jets. If you are, then I take everything back I just said. But I'm going to go with Kayla and Justin. I'm going with the Jets. If Russell Wilson is hurt, there's no way Seattle wins. Their defense can do whatever they want. Jets just need a field goal basically at that point because I don't even know who the backup quarterback is for Seattle. I don't even know if they have one. I'm taking Seattle on this one, man. I don't believe in the Jets right now. I think that there are a few things in the life that you can come back from, and one of them is a six-interception uh, a six interception game as a quarterback. I, I think that, you know, the Jets are talking potentially about looking at Geno Smith at quarterback, and that's not a good sign. Uh, I'm taking Seattle Seahawks, no matter who is out there, uh, throw into Jimmy Graham. Uh, Seahawks win this one in New Jersey. Dude, Jimmy Graham doesn't even get passes thrown to him, let's be honest. Yeah, he he's had two great weeks, Greg. Um, okay, next one. Uh, we want to look at... Uh, Chiefs Steelers Sunday night prime time uh, Chiefs coming into Pittsburgh both teams are two and one uh, the Steelers are favored by five and a half points that line feels a little high to me Greg what do you think about this uh, Steelers versus Chiefs who is pulling this one out uh, I'm gonna go with Steelers in this one I don't I can't see them having another poor performance like they did last week in Philly you know short travel week they didn't have to go very far to get to Philly to get back to Pittsburgh so you know it wasn't hard on their bodies where Kansas City is coming you know a little farther this week traveling I'm sure Roethlisberger Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell's back this week you expect high production out of him uh just in general Kansas City will give him a fight great Sunday night matchup but I'm giving it to the Steel City Gotcha. I'm taking Kansas City on this one, man. I think that uh, I, I'm believing in this defense right now. I think they're kind of putting it all together. Um, Alex Smith is not going to be asked to do a heck of a lot versus the Steelers' defense, and they're not really really up to the task anyway. Uh, I know that's at home, but that line, five and a half points, feels a little high to me. I think these teams are much more evenly matched than Vegas has given them credit for right now. And I think the Steelers had a bad loss, man. That's a bad, bad loss. I mean, there's only so much that Roethlisberger can do, uh, Roethlisberger and Brown can do. I get that they're getting Bell back, but I just don't see that being enough to put them over. So I say Chiefs win this one in Pittsburgh. Uh, Yeah. Okay, cool. And then the last game we want to pick this week is Monday night. Uh, Giants are going into Minnesota uh, to play the Vikings. U.S. Bank Stadium, Minneapolis favored, or excuse me, Minnesota favored by four and a half points. Greg, do you think that the Giants can waltz in and right the ship after last week's performance, or do you think the Vikings continue their defensive dominance and beat up on the G-men? In the words of Ray Romano's character on Saturday Night Live, sweet sassy molassy, the Giants are going to get their ass kicked. It's going to be it's something along that line, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, no. Like- 
that was the worst reference that we've had on this podcast, and we've had a few bad references, Greg. You know what? It popped into my head. It felt right. I went with it. I'm just gonna have to live with it. And just like I'm living with, just like I'm living with this pick of joke guy in the entire world. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's training. You know, to be a really good father one day. <laughs> but nice. yeah, right. Thank you. It's it's fantastic. I'm not gonna lie. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, back to football. Um, I'm going, I'm going, yeah, well, we can talk a little later after the show ended. Um, now, uh, I'm going to go with Minnesota just because that defense, I think, is going to be way too good. It's going to get in Eli's face, his stupid, non-reactive face. Uh, can you tell? Can you tell him I'm an Eagles fan? Uh, you know, just dropping him down to two and two would be great in my mind. You know, Eagles have their bye week, so I'd love for them to come back. Two, two. Uh, you know, losses technically up on everybody else in the division if the Cowboys can go down. Uh, but just in general, I think Minnesota is going to be too good defensively. They'll do enough offensively, like I've said. Uh, and if OBJ gets in a fight with another kicking net, uh, who knows what'll happen. Yeah, I'm picking the Vikings as well, Greg. I don't think that the Giants have nearly enough firepower to hang with this defense. Uh, the Giants struggled last week against the Redskins defense, so that's not a good sign, <laughs> especially when you're going up against um, some, a pretty legit pass rush and big physical corners that are going to take away uh, Odell. So I'm taking the Vikings, man. Vikings go up to 4-0, and uh, which is going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting finish in the NFC North, man. Yeah, I like, I like it. Right now. I'm liking the okay, NFC cool. East, too. I'm not going to lie. All right. Well, let's relax. All right. Uh, anything else within football that we want to touch on before we kind of uh, move away from that? Uh, Not really. I mean, yeah, just more so surprising that, you know, five teams are still undefeated. Pats, Ravens, Broncos, Eagles, Vikings. It's not the teams, if you probably asked somebody at the beginning of the season to say who'd be undefeated going into week four, would be on the list outside no. of maybe the Pats and Broncos. Yeah, even that. I mean, Trevor Simeon, man, he, he might be a player. Who knows? Um, but, I mean, this is definitely – week three is prime over rea- reaction week because you're convincing yourself that you have enough of the sample size uh, when you really do not. Yeah, I love it. So, uh, it's the best thing about it. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens come week four. Um, cool. Uh, I actually want to think – I think we want to pivot and talk about college football, Greg, because while we're on football, let's just kind of get this out of the way. Yeah, let's just get into it. Time in it anyway. um, but – uh, let's kind of talk about the week that was in college football. Um, I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me right now is Wisconsin beat up on Michigan State. Yeah, they did. It was a big one, number eleven over number eight. Thirty to six in uh, in Michigan. Uh, that's not easy to do, man. Uh, so I think I, the question that I you know pose to you is Wisconsin for real. Uh, at this point, you got to believe that they are. I mean, they've had a decent run so far in the conference. Another big game coming up this week where Michigan finally has to face somebody else that's, you know, actually talented in going against Wisconsin. So it's number eight versus number four. Or, no, yeah, did I get that right? Yes, that's this week. All right, just making sure I was looking at it correctly. Uh, yeah, so, you know, huge game. Uh, another top 10 battle. There's a few of them this week, so I like that. You're going to get the college football playoff picture really figured out. But, you know, Wisconsin's got some big weeks coming up for them. Just in general, they have, you know, Michigan. Then they have, 
uh, if I can find it, because you know I'm smart and use technology decently. Tell me all. Uh, I don't know if I'll find it. But they have a really tough stretch the next few weeks. I think they have Ohio State. Uh, they have Iowa, maybe. I, forget. I was listening to it yesterday, and I know that apparently the next four weeks for them basically will decide if they have any legit shot in the Big Ten this year. The other big story coming out of college football this week was uh, after their loss to Auburn, LSU fired Les Miles after 12 years as the head coach. Yeah. That's a that's a big blow, man. I did not see this one coming at all. Um, I guess you lose to unranked Auburn after such hype coming into the season for the, the Tigers. It's, it's not super surprising, but it's surprising at the same time. Yeah, no, the Mad Hatter grass eater being, you know, taken away from LSU – is a huge overreaction, I think. Uh, most people, I think, would agree with that. He was almost fired at the end of last year. It seemed like, you know, people were just, it was kind of like the whole vulture circling, just waiting for just the one screw up they needed to point the finger and be like, ha, okay, we're going to kick him out because of this. And they got it with the Auburn loss. So, you know, no more less miles. It's kind of disappointing. But it's, it just sucks because I sort of feel like they could they could have salvaged this season. You know, there's so, there's so much fluctuation this year. And every year, I guess, in the rankings in college football that I really feel like they had a chance to at least, you know, come out with some sort of bowl game and whatnot. And it kind of feels like they're throwing away the season uh, by, by by firing Les Miles. Yeah, not only that, their uh, assistant coach, I will never say his name right. I referenced this earlier today on our Twitter handle. His name is Ed Orgeron. I'll forever call him Ed Oregon. It, it, he does, his name sounds like a state. Yeah, Coach O. Um you know, we'll we'll see what, we'll see how they uh, they do under the new leadership there. Except what um, I do think, to keep an eye on. yeah, what I do think should happen is, being also a Notre Dame fan, is Notre Dame just fired the defensive coordinator. Les Miles is a defensive minded genius. I think he should just finish the season out with Notre Dame. Yeah, I uh, okay. Because well. Notre Dame, what, what's Notre Dame got to lose? They're one in three. It's been a horrible year. I want to cry. I'm currently drinking scotch, just thinking about it. I wish I was drinking scotch right now, Greg. Um, okay, uh, the the games of the week in college football. We already talked about Wisconsin at Michigan. Michigan's favored by 10.5 points in the big house in Ann Arbor. Um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I think the one that everyone's going to be pointing at right now is going to be that Louisville-Clemson game. Uh, Definitely. And, uh, both 4-0 and both undefeated so far in the ACC. Uh, it's in Clemson, but Louisville is favored by two points. Three versus five. Uh, it's very exciting to see Lamar Jackson, man. This guy is a really hot prospect coming into the season. Dude, he's so uh, and good. And the Heisman hopeful. Uh, let's see what he can do against Clemson against a conference opponent. Yeah, I mean, the numbers he's putting up so far are ridiculous. He has 13 pass touchdowns and 12 rushing touchdowns. He has almost 600 yards rushing. He's the leading rusher for his team. I mean, yeah. he's literally doing it all for the Cardinals, and he's doing it well. Yeah, he's already got uh, more touchdowns than he did all of last year. Um, he's getting sacked at a significantly slower rate than he did last year. It shows a little bit more maturity on his part. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be able to, uh, you know, kind of eclipse the yardage by a long shot. His completion percentage is still down, uh, especially because he's, he is in kind of like a pro-style offense. So it's not super encouraging to see someone going a sub-60% completion percentage. But, you know, he is also asked, being asked to do it all. So I'm interested to see what happens with him in the draft because I'm more of an NFL guy than a college football guy. But Lamar Jackson against Clemson, this is going to be his first real big test. I'm interested to see how he does. 
Well, I mean, you would have thought that Florida State was going to be his first real test, and it was certainly not. We saw that, so who knows? Nobody knows what to expect from this game. You have Deshaun Watson. It's a battle of quarterbacks, basically. Who, whichever QB plays better for their team, that's who's going to win this game, plain and simple. If either defense can somehow contain and get some pressure, maybe that changes the game. But it's, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm thinking like 45, 42, something along that line just because. And I'm hoping for a you know just a great battle. I don't want an FSU repeat because when it's top 10, you want, you want those good classic games that you're going to be talking about for years to come. Exactly, man. Um, okay, cool. Moving on from uh, from college football, I want to talk a little baseball, Greg. It's starting to really kind of heat up in the postseason right now. Uh, and we have a couple division winners and division clinchers. So uh, right now, uh, as we speak, the uh, AL Central has been uh, locked up by the Cleveland Indians. The AL West has been locked up by the Texas Rangers. The uh, NL East has been uh, locked up by the Washington Nationals, the NL Central by the Chicago Cubs, and the NL West by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, Greg, actually, as we speak, uh, the Red Sox are up 3 nothing against the Yankees in the bottom of the ninth. If they win today, they all also lock up the AL East. So we really have our division winners. Are there any? Is there any surprises here, Greg? Anything that you want to uh, point out or anything like that about how this kind of playoff season has been shaping up so far? Uh, mainly just that I was completely spot on with my picking of the NL West and saying the Dodgers were going to win it. Unlike you, James, that's where I meant to say I was right and you were wrong okay. from previously mentioned earlier in this podcast. I don't recall. Uh, uh, of course you don't. You plead the fifth. I'm pretty sure everything else, though, I picked, except I picked the Blue Jays to win the AL East because I didn't want to homer drink the Red Sox. Yeah, well, I... I think I, I did. I pick the Red Sox. I don't even remember at this point. I may have said Baltimore. Speaking of the Blue Jays, they're they're uh, they're up two games over, uh, for the first wild card spot, uh, with the Orioles trailing right behind them. The Orioles, Tigers, and Mariners are all kind of vying for that third one. And I'll even throw in the Astros, but they're three games out, so that one will be pretty tough. It's mostly just the Orioles, Tigers, and Mariners. And the Astros just lost today to the Mariners, twelve four. So they're probably done. Right. Uh, and meanwhile, the National League, I mean, they're, they're making this, this thing a real struggle here. The Mets, Giants, and Cardinals are still kind of all, you know, jockeying for, that, for that, those two final spots here. With the Mets uh, half game up on the final one. But the Cardinals are only a game back, man. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to still happen in the last week of the, of the season. Uh, so it's going to be a fun, fun end of the year. Uh, we basically have two weeks left until the postseason starts. Uh, so, you know, get your popcorn ready, folks. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, it's nice having all the division winners basically locked up this early. You know, we already kind of know some matchups, at least on the NL side. It's going to be the Cubs whoever against whoever the wild card winner is. And then it's Dodgers, Nationals. The AL side, it's still kind of a toss-up who's going to be the winners just because Red Sox, Indians, and Texas are all separated by game. Texas has 93 wins going into tonight. Sox, 92. And Cleveland 91, so you know they're all fighting for home field advantage throughout the AL side. Love it. Um, last last thing at baseball, and I think that you know we probably could have led with this a little bit. It's been talked about a little, but it, you know we'd be we'd be hard pressed not to mention it. Yeah. Um, you know, the baseball lost a really uh, fantastic player uh, over this last week with in Jose Fernandez, uh, 24 years old, two-time All Star. Uh, you could talk about his baseball numbers. Uh, you know, as much as you want, but 
you know, his story is really interesting, and I would encourage anyone who hasn't really read up on Jose Fernandez uh, to check it out. Uh, you know, Cuban immigrant, came over when he was 15 years old, uh, you know, actually saved his mother on the voyage over. Uh, she uh, was, was close to drowning when they were trying to head uh, escape from Cuba. Um, and the guy was just an unbelievable baseball player. And I know I don't want to boil down, you know, this 24-year-old kid who lost his life to just being a baseball player. But I guess that's the only reason why I know him. And I know him really well as a baseball player. I mean, he was just a fantastic pitcher. He was the face of a franchise in Miami. Uh, you know, if he had continued to go the way that he was going, you know, it looked like he was going to be a Cy Young candidate for the majority of his career. Uh, he had a season-ending injury in 2014, and he came back and still had one of the highest strikeout rates uh, in the entire league. Uh, the guy was just an incandescent talent, and it's a real, real loss to the game um, that you know such a bright young star uh, was lost so early in his career. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, waking up Sunday morning, you know, as a sports fan, you get attached to these guys. You listen to their stories. You hear all about them whether it's on your team or on another team. And when I got the news on that on Sunday morning, it was kind of just like one of those, like, nah, that, that can't be happening. Like, you don't hear about that happening, especially in professional sports. You know, such, as you said, talented guy. And he was way more than just a baseball player. He did a lot for the community. He was the face of the Marlins. Him and Jaron Carlos Stanton were like the two young guys that you could just see years from now, maybe, you know, helping the Marlins to, you know, division titles. And just in general, Really good guy, as James mentioned. Saved his mom on their way over from Cuba. And I actually heard the story today, and I've been hearing the story was all like, he heard it was his mom, but actually apparently he didn't even know who it was that fell over. He just heard somebody went in, and his instinct was to jump and jump in the water. It was only until he got in the water he realized it was his mother. And, you know, he even was denied two times before entry into the U.S. trying to escape Cuba. So it's just like, a story of perseverance and for having to end this way at such a young age, pregnant girlfriend, you know, other sad part of it. He's going to have a child that will never get to meet him. He was just a happy guy, loved playing the game. All his teammates talked about it. And just, you know, I got to say also the Mets were very classy at the day after the game, going up to all the Marlins players after ceremonies, giving them hugs, let them know they're there for them. Just, Every the outpouring of love and support for the Marlins and from around the league has been incredible. On such a sad occasion happening, yeah, it, it is really sad. And, and the game was so emotional. You know, we had D Gordon coming up there and hitting that home run uh, to lead off the game. Uh, you know, tears streaming down his face while he's running the bases. You know that it, it sucks when real life kind of uh, you know intersects with sports like this. But sports also gives you a pretty great moment that you probably couldn't get in another place, you know? Like, it's it's tough to kind of, especially at this age with these kind of, you know, emotions, it's tough to kind of quantify and talk about this kind of stuff. So to have something as simple as, like, a home run to give so many people joy and to give D. Gordon a sense of feeling close to Jose Fernandez, uh, you know, that's really special and something you can't really get anywhere else. So, you know, our, our rest in peace to Jose Fernandez, you know, big big loss in the community and the baseball community the sports community in general yeah definitely definitely a sad loss and like you said the d gordon thing it was just one of those perfect moments in sports that you hope to have happen and when it does you're just like it's fantastic took a first pitch right-handed in honor of jose then switched hadn't hit a home run all year 
And even after the game, he's like, I've never hit a home run that far in my life, not even in batting practice. He's like, it just felt like I had a little something extra with me. And it's just those things like that give you goosebumps. And it's just a great, great, like little moment in sports that it's something that only sports can give you. It's not, it's like nothing else for some reason. After big events, sad events, sports always seems to find a way to lift people's spirits and take their minds away. And like you said, when real life gets in the way of that, you kind of realize what's going on and how important these people and these events are to us and how it can really, you know, affect how we are. Absolutely. We just got really uh, emotional there. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Um, okay, last thing that we want to touch on before we wrap up this week, the NBA. Uh, the NBA is going to be gearing up, folks, so get ready for it. Uh, I am going to be insisting that we do some sort of NBA preview show like we have done so we might even need to shell football for a week or at least do a couple podcasts who knows we'll see what happens we'll get crazy um but as of right now we're just kind of dipping our toe in the water and, and the first toe is in the water uh is two of my favorites man kevin garnett and paul pierce uh kevin garnett's not gonna be back this season he's totally retired and paul pierce at the end of this season will be hanging it up after 18 years in the league um uh, this is this is tough for me, man. This is real tough. I mean, yeah, and it hurts your bleeding green heart. I mean, Poppy, Poppy is tough, and I'm sure that when Brady goes, that'll probably be the hardest one. Um, but this he this is the biggest retirement for me, I think, uh, in a long time. You know, Pedro was pretty tough too, but but uh, you know, Paul Pierce, you know, he's been there for us. Yeah, like my entire sporting life, you know what I mean? I, I wasn't super, you know, sentient and aware of the Celtics before, you know, 1998. So it, it's – I don't really know a Celtics team before Paul Pierce, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I understand. I mean, I, I didn't grow up a Celtics fan, but I know how much he meant to the city. It's just unbelievable, and he was uh, – it's going to get real, real emotional when he comes back to the garden for the last time and, and that's it. So, uh, it, it's just a bummer that, you, you know, but at the same time, you got to celebrate these guys' careers and Paul Pierce had a heck of a career. I think that he's a, he's a no brainer. He's, he's a hall of famer. Um, so you I'd know, agree. I'm excited, I'm excited agree to see, you. uh, this farewell season and kind of see, you know, old man Paul Pierce. My favorite part about Paul Pierce these last few years has been his uh, his kind of grumpy old man stage. I just love that. He's always had, like, the old man game, and now that he's, like, old enough to be, like, a grumpy old man, I, I just love that so much. No, no, no. I figured I'd let you talk mainly about Paul Pierce because you grew up with him where I grew up in New Jersey and had, like, the Nets and Sixers to choose from. So I had Allen Iverson, basically. But, you know, you know the sign of a good player – is when they have a nickname that sticks with them and people refer to them as that instead of their name sometimes. You have Kobe with the Black Mamba, LeBron James with King James, and you have Paul Pierce with the truth. I mean, when you have a nickname in the NBA that sticks with you like that, that's the sign of a top player, top guy in the league, and that's what he's been his whole career. I mean, the past few seasons, yeah, he's older. He doesn't get as many minutes, but in his prime, there was only a few that were better than him. The truth is, it's an unbelievable nickname. So I love, I love that. Uh, yeah, man, very sad, very sad that Paul's uh, retiring. Uh, what else in the NBA grade do we want to cover before we kind of hang it up? Uh, the only other big news coming out of the NBA is basically a forced retirement for a guy younger than Paul Pierce, 
Chris Bosh, probably yes. career probably done for health reasons. You know, past two seasons have been cut short by blood clots. Uh, you know, serious issues, especially for a guy that's an athlete. You're not gonna, you shouldn't take a risk with that. Bosh wants to play. He thinks he's healthy enough to play, but most doctors are not going to give him the clear, uh, just because it's not something they want to risk. You don't want a player potentially collapsing on the floor and dying because of something that could have been prevented by him not playing. This is brutal for Chris Bosh, man, because he really was starting to come into his own as you know, like refinding uh, the ability to be the number one guy. You know, in Miami, I know that Wade was there for a little while, but Bosch was really kind of the heart and soul of that team as Wade's body continues to deteriorate. Um, I don't I don't know. This is just a huge, huge loss for that community. I think that Bosch uh, is one of the is one of the most singular talents in the league. You know, he, he's kind of he doesn't have the outside shooting touch that Dirk had Dirk Nowitzki had, but he also kind of fills that role of being that that big man, that stretch five. Yeah, uh, he could kind of do a little bit of everything. He, he could still knock it down. Yeah, he could knock it down if he had to. And like you said, he was coming back into that role of like LeBron left. It was kind of he was taking over the franchise. And if it wasn't for the blood clots and everything, Wade's gone now. He would have been the guy, without a doubt, in Miami. And yeah, that's a good front court with, uh, you know, with. Whiteside and Bosch, and then if you could kind of dot some shooters around them, all of a sudden you sort of have something there, you know what I mean? Because yeah. Wade could never really spread, spread the floor, um, so I was kind of amazed when it, when it did work out with them, because you would have you'd have Wade kind of crowding their spaces, but I, I think that uh, you know, it's a real blow for Miami, it's a real blow for Chris Bosch, who's, you know, just by all accounts, I've never met him, obviously, but by all accounts, he's a great guy, so that just kind of sucks. Yeah, no, it's it's you never want to see a top guy, especially like guys that you know are no names that end up leaving the league because of injuries. You don't think give second thought to, but once a guy that's been multiple All Star championship guy like that, you don't want to ever see their career end on anything else but their own terms. And so for the have that happen, him not going to get basically get a chance to leave on his own terms, thinking he still has a chance to come back, but he probably won't get the opportunity. You, you just you just hate to see it, especially in today's world with media and everything so prominent. You're going to hear his side a lot. You're going to hear the NBA side and team side. And it's just going to be something that probably drags out for a bit longer than it needs to until he finally gets over the whole, I guess I, I can't do anything about it. I guess I'm done. And it's just a shame. Yep. All right, man. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, just one or two quick things. Going back to the MOB real quick. Uh, Vince Scully did his last game in LA this past weekend, so that was sad. Vince Scully, sixty-seven years with the Dodgers as their voice. That's just incredible. He changed the broadcasting game. He's just one of those guys. That if you've ever heard him call even like an inning, if you've listened to clips, he just great to listen to. Tells a story. You know, had a great career. He was he got into the Hall of Fame like thirty something years ago. This shows you how good he is. And so he got his last game in L.A. Nice moment. He got to call off a walk-off home run division-clinching game for the Dodgers. So that was a great way to go out in L.A. He'll finish his career up by going to San Francisco to call the final three games of the Dodgers season before hanging up his headset. Sad, man. And then uh, we can't forget the king for golf real quick, Arnold Palmer passing away. Yeah, I don't have as much, uh, uh, you know, 
I know that I'm not a huge golf fan. I know that Arnold Palmer was really important to the sport, and I wish that I knew him more than just a uh, just a beverage. Unfortunately, there's just not much that I know about, about Arnold Palmer's playing days. Maybe you can kind of you know color in the lines there where I don't have any information. Yeah, no, I mean a lot of people do know him for his drink. I mean, incredible drink just in general. Sports Center commercial with right him right. in it. That Sports Center commercial with Stuart Scott and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name off the top of my head where they're just watching him pour the iced tea and lemonade into a glass is one of the best commercials they've ever done. Uh, if you've never seen the clip, there's a clip of him uh, like on some crazy green where a putt guy's like, I can't make this putt. This putt's like nuts. And Arnold Palmer's like, what do you mean you can't make this putt? He drops the ball next to the guy, barely looks at it, hits the ball. It goes like 75 feet perfectly into the hole, and he just like walks away. It's just hilarious. He's a fantastic, uh, you know, he was a great ambassador for the sport. Uh, his tournament has always been really well received, uh, and he designed a pretty fantastic golf course for it. So, you know, all the credit in the world, and, uh, you know, rest in peace, Arnold Palmer, because he really was special, you know, even if I don't know too much about him. Yeah, just one of those guys that lit up a room with his personality, one of the nicest guys it seemed ever. Uh, so, you know, very sad. Him and Jose Fernandez both passed on the same day, so, you know, there's just two great game, two great players in their own individual times that are sad to see go. Uh, definitely, man. Okay, man. Well, uh, this has been good. I, I think it's been successful. Our first, uh, you know, over the airwaves, over the interwebs podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard here, head over to Facebook, Twitter, uh, iTunes. Give us rating, review, like us, share us, everything like that. Uh, but until next week, man, this has been fun. And uh, if you guys have any questions, please send them over. Other than that, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, talk to you guys later. Hopefully the audio works out, James, for my own sake because I do the <laughs> editing. Uh, yeah, really. But, you know, for all the other production people out there, you know, the guys in the other room, you know, checking sounds, making sure, you know, oh, dogs course. don't bark. You know, yeah, every, exactly. all those people. Michigan Mike just probably sitting on a couch somewhere drinking his life away. You know, all those people. Thanks. And this one's for you. yeah, this one's for you. Enjoy the weekend, guys. Peace.